Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It's 1.07 p.m. That's post-meridian to all you plebs out there. Yeah, it's late. I know it's late again. Uh, I got, dude. There's a there's a method behind my madness, and I know it's kind of screwing you up. But I'm just now starting to do like interviews, and I had two interviews back to back today, and there was no way that I was going to be able to cut a show in the morning, and then do an interview, and then cut that for the show, you know, for an interview show, and then do another interview. It was just, dude. It was like I'm, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, but it is the 18th of November, 2020, and this is episode 324 of Bitcoin and Carlos Roldan. Carlos is a guy who's the founder and CEO of Satoshi's Game and Games, and he, uh, he was kind enough to give me a solid hour of his time, and that's what you're going to hear today. Um, let's talk, let me just kind of caveat the, you know, the interview a little bit, uh, again, CEO Satoshi's game. We go through, you know, a little bit of his history, you know, what is it about Bitcoin and gaming that is not only part of Satoshi's games and light night game that they're the ones that are doing light night game, but how lightning network interacts, how, you know, the Bitcoin, you know, how Bitcoin main chain interacts, that, that kind of thing. We get into it, man. Uh, there's lots of stuff about why is it low poly? Uh, you know, how are the optimizations? What game engine are you using? What did you do to make it, you know, fun to play? How did you do all the art to make sure that it was, you know, going to be okay that it was low poly? Because some people look at that and go, Ooh, it looks terrible. But if you've seen Light Night, you know, it doesn't look terrible, which meant that they took a great amount of care in the art direction of having something totally retro, low poly, and yet it works for, you know, works in today's environment. So it's a, it's a great interview and I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, Carlos Roldan, CEO of Satoshi's Game, coming at you next. Carlos, welcome to Bitcoin and how you doing? Thanks, David. Thank you for the invite. I'm great. I'm pleased to be here. Awesome. Th- uh, thanks for joining me. Now I got your, uh, uh, I, I got, I think your name through uh, Desiree, Desiree Dickerson and uh, my tremendous thanks to her for hooking me up with some other people in, in ga- the gaming world. And the, one of the reasons why I've been doing these uh, interviews about gaming to start with is because n- nobody's really talking about, you know, about the whole thing with, with gaming. Now, your CEO and the founder of Satoshi's Games, which has been around for uh, a fair bit, right? 
Yeah, yeah, a couple of years already. It's been over two years doing this, so things are going great and so much building, so much things coming along as well with, with lately with Bitcoin and, and things. So, yeah, yeah, it's kind of been of, of it's, it's been a colorful, uh, colorful times. So, yeah, I would describe that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times all all at once. Well, what I wanted to uh, start this off with was kind of your your history, um, you know, when just in general and then in gaming. But I kind of wanted to ask, you know, what did you want to be when you grew up? That's a good question, though. So, so I've always wanted to to do something bigger in that abstract terms that I cannot go in accurate details about how big or, or what format. But I've always wanted to do something big. The thing is that I got into gaming uh, very young as a gamer. I've always liked being, you know, playing games and having a good time with technology. But it wasn't until until I got into Bitcoin that I kind of I kind of had the vision to combine both and make it into one single element of, of Bitcoin gaming and and that's kind of the history of how what what, what was when I wanted to, to grow up and and how I found that this was the path for me to do that. Uh-huh Okay. So, uh, when, when you were just game, you know, gaming as a kid, uh, you know, what did you have, do you have a favorite video game that, that is just something that you will never forget, uh, like a, an experience or something like that? Uh, I mean, you know, like, a, a franchise or anything like that, that's just near and dear to your heart. Yeah. I mean, I've been always been so, so, so hard on, on half life. And then uh, I've been always a big gamer on, on Counter-Strike 1.6. I've been also a big one. And those probably have been the favorite titles of my, yeah, of, of my, of, of the time when I was a kid playing those games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, well, so now at one point or another, you know, you, you, you get hooked on Bitcoin. So where did that happen and? Like, uh, give us your, your, you know, your, your Bitcoin story a little bit. Yeah, it was pretty simple. I got into Bitcoin because my brother, uh, brought me in. So I was, I was still a kid and, and, and well, not a kid, but I, yeah, I was a teenager by the time and he mentioned Bitcoin for the first time. I think the price by then was $100 uh-huh. and, and it was all because of the speculative movement of buying a price that is low and then having the interest of selling it at some point. Uh, but I didn't jump into Bitcoin by that, that time. That was the first time I heard about Bitcoin. And then it kind of made it uh, a few years after until then I grew up more. I jumped into more technology development, like more more geek. And then that's from that point, I started, you know, speculative, doing a speculation with Bitcoin. And from that time, I I was following it Bitcoin until until I found the perfect gap when I found out Lightning Network, and then I saw the potential of gaming in, in Lightning Network uh, through Bitcoin. So, yeah, and, and and from 
that time to now, that was the story of how Satoshi Games started and, and the way that I make it to this podcast. Awesome. So yeah, that was actually my next question was uh, your, you know, when did you find lightning? Because I, I personally, you know, I found when I found Bitcoin, it took me about, oh, you know, three slaps in the face from it over the period of a couple of years before I, you know, kind of finally clicked. And I, I find that, you know, the more people I talk to, the more they say, yeah, I, I didn't get it the first time around. But then lightning comes along and I'm looking at this thing and it was like a huge slap in the face that made me just as excited as when I finally understood why Bitcoin was important. Did you have a similar notion when you when you found lightning? What, what was your what was your initial reaction and, you know, where did you hear about lightning? How did that come about for you? My first reaction was understanding how how the, the basics part are the you know the, the the essence of lightning was, which was such a challenge. I think that took me months. Uh, but the first use case application that I saw lightning network working and prediction and the thing that the, the, the trigger that made me connect all of the wires to make Satoshi's game's vision of circular economies through lightning network was. The actual, the actual Satoshi's place, this famous application that got popular, developed by Lightning Koala. And uh -huh. that was when I actually jumped into the rabbit hole with Satoshi's games. And then I started creating this. And it was it was great experience from, from the time that, that, because from one thing, you are pivoting to a, a different thing. And then you came up with different fresh ideas to implement. And then you built a different thing. And then... And then we started doing something very, very different that the things we're doing right now. So, so yeah, that was two years and a little bit, like two years and a half or two years and a few months ago. So Satoshi's place was pretty much the aha moment. And at that yeah. moment, you, you pretty much decided Satoshi's game was going to happen. So you're the founder and the CEO. How big of a crew do you got over there at Satoshi's games? Yeah, right now, I think we are around 14, 15 uh, guys working between people that they are full time and part time, and that's 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 how many we are at the moment. Yeah. Now, are y'all all over there in Madrid, Spain, or is it the collection no, of, of people from the, across the, the world? Yeah, it's a collection of people around the world, but the actual nucleus, the actual place they, where the most population and the uh, are or most population, I mean, most team members are in Madrid. Okay, that well, Madrid is a gorgeous, <laughs> absolutely. Have you been there? City. No, but there's like I went to um, uh, Texas Tech, and Texas Tech has a, a remote campus that my college was Texas Tech, and they have a remote campus in Seville, and people would come back, you know, and tell me, and they're like going, "Man, you, you should go over there." And they went all over Spain. Well, they went all over Europe, but they spent you know most of their time in Spain and going to different Spanish cities. And they, you know, pictures and the stories that they would tell me, especially about the food. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge food file. I, I just love food. And one of the things that I really appreciate the most is good seafood. And from what I understand, you're not getting any better seafood in, uh, in outside of Spain. That's just from what I hear. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's correct. Actually, yeah, that's I love gastronomy too, and that's one of the main things about what I most love about Spain is the history of our food and and the, the actual com the variety and the diversity diversity of, of food that we have here is, is quite impressive though yeah I, you know i find that you know food is, 
food is more important to the human spirit than I think a lot of people give it credit for, especially over in the United States where food, uh, you know, I mean, there's some really great, you know, great food over here, but honestly, the majority of what everybody in the rest of the world sees is like the penchant for fast food, you know, and there's a lot of Bitcoiners that talk about fiat food and I, you know, I'm right in the middle of it, you know, that finding a really good restaurant around, around these parts, you really got to work at it. Whereas in lots of other countries, it's, you can't swing a dead cat without hitting a five-star, four-star quality restaurant. You know, it's just, we've somehow or another, we just don't feel that way about food as, as other countries do. So, well, but you have also with, with food around, around Jerry, you have the good whole, I think you have a, an amazing traditional a mother mother breed bread in San Francisco. Well, now that is true. I mean, it's not, you know, in the in the larger cities, you're definitely going to find it, but like just in your, you know, regular run of the mill, yeah. you know, middle of the country towns, it's predominantly just the most it's just awful food. It's just awful. <laughs> so it's so yeah, bad. Yeah. That's why I've learned how to cook uh Indian food, Japanese food, uh, I, I'm a big Italian food guy. I, that just, yeah. we cook pretty much all of our meals here, which is also something that you don't normally see in, in the West. Most people are going out to eat all the time. Well, except for right now. And the people that don't know how to cook, I don't know what they're doing in the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it's just it blows, it blows my mind. Well, I, what I wanted to do, I was, I was kind of going through your, your LinkedIn and notice that you jumped literally right out of your computer science degree um, into blockchain. Is that is that what happened, or was there? So I'm assuming that you found Bitcoin and all that while you were doing your studies, and said, "I want to do this for the rest of my life." And you ended up over at was it Wholesaler and then Discovery Block. Can you kind of go through that a little bit? Yeah, that's correct. I mean, I, I didn't do it just after; I do it while doing it. And okay. I was, I, yeah, I got lucky though, because I kind of found my passion, which, which is Bitcoin development and, and, and this technology and, and, and that, that brings me so much satisfaction to, to find this in a very early, early, early stage of my life. So, yeah, I mean, I was doing my university degree and while doing it, I was two years before, you know, uh, to end my actual degree, um, I had to kind of take the decision whether to be a, an exemplar, a, you know, a, an exemplar student, a student, and I'm bringing, you know, uh, getting good grades, or I mean, becoming a good student, or, or or following your dreams and following your passion, which was Satoshi's Games by the time, you know, I started Satoshi's Games when I was at the university, but before that was in my my last years of the uni, but I've always been active though. Uh, whenever I was not studying and being a, a good student, I've always been, you know, uh, working on different projects of blockchain technology initially, software development, and then more Bitcoin technology by my own. And yeah, it was kind of hard for my for for my last year because I was doing my dissertation year, which actually was a Lightning Network Simulator tool, mm-hmm. and. And I got, it's cool. I mean, it's open source. You, you can check it out in, in GitHub. It comes with a GUI and you can populate some nodes and some some channel balances and, and simulate networks, offline networks. And I had to, yeah, to, to decide to reduce my time of 
student for having a good degree uh, mm -hmm. and only getting a degree, you know, which was the certification that I initially wanted to approach. But at the same time, giving all of my other time that I couldn't put in more social life or diversificate my my social or or or, or personal life into Satoshi games, and that's why why I took the decision to reduce the minimum my time commitment to the university to get my certificate and explore right. all of the Satoshi games development while doing it. Yeah, that well, you know, most generally speaking, entrepreneurs have this, you know, nasty habit of of just either starting their companies while they're in college or just drop straight out and just, you know, get it done because that itch. I, I I can definitely feel you on that one. So with Satoshi's games, what was the first game that y'all did? It was more than a game. It was a collection of open source games modded with some Bitcoin touches and um, and and it was pretty pretty much uh, horrible <laughs> it was so bad it was it, it was just a collection of six squares that they were a link to a different games that they didn't make so much sense the design was very monolithic and and it was impressive the, the fact that from that idea we we, we we evolved to something bigger and bigger and and it was yeah the 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 the, the, the well, yeah kind of the, the actual games were were click games so so they were games website HTML five games that would you have to click and click and click pretty simple wow. though maybe you have two minutes of, of a game per per game and that was pretty much it and then we were improving those games into something bigger I mean into bigger experiences I mean and. Yeah, but it was pretty much simple. I, there's an open source repository of what was the actual start of Satoshi's games, and and you can check it out. It's, it's an HTML5 website. That is, it's in my repository. It's in my GitHub account. Okay, I'll try to uh, link uh, link to your GitHub account uh, in the show notes. But did you, before before this, before Satoshi's games and Lightning and Bitcoin, did you ever dabble in, in game development? at all before any of this or did you just jump no. right in yeah i just jumped right in i mean I've been, I've been always a gamer myself but uh -huh. but but i've never been satisfied with my with the gaming experience and i've always been questioning why the gaming experience was such as restricted as, as it was and and then and then nothing else in terms of development just as a product consumer i was consuming games and it wasn't until yeah. when i kind of you know, connected the wires with, with Lightning Network and, and my gaming history as a gamer to make it happen. Well, so where's Satoshi Games right now? Like, what's your what's your main project? What is most of your development and efforts uh, going to right now? So right now we are we're doing initially, uh, as we, what we're doing at the beginning, our, our mission is simple. We want to free the games and the game developers and, and all of the monopoly. And, and by doing so, we are making happen in what we call of circular economies. So the, the, that's the mission of the company. That's everything behind it. That's why we need to use Lightning Network, because you cannot make a circular economy, which is basically value coming in, value coming out with no restriction right. and, and easily frictionless. So the way we're doing that is allocating the majority of resources for a platform that grants tools and SDKs to make it happen. And 
in order to do that and sell those tools, you first need to sell a product that contains those tools that lets you have some glimpse of the window of what you can do with these tools, which is Lineit. Lineit is this product that promotes all of the technology stack we are providing to feature the circular economies within gaming experiences. And the actual collection of tools, platform, and SDKs that we are putting together is the main project of all, which is called Elixir. That eventually during this and the next month, during the following months, there will be more information publicly because we're pretty close for a release on this project. Okay, so is now... Elixir, I'm looking at it right now on y'all's uh, website, cross-platform gaming application. Is is that it? I hate to, I, I'm, I'm going to be so hosed on asking this. Is that an actual internal game engine or is that something completely different? No, it's a publishing platform. The actual, the actual platform is a publishing platform. Basically, you can publish games. Okay. And it comes with SDKs and APIs where you can connect to the same... Liquid assets, Lightning Network payments, and other the other LSAT or other combination of technologies we are developing to integrate directly to your Unity games, Unreal Engine 4 games, Godot Engine games, on other graphic engines games that they are traditionally and widely used in the industry. Okay, so it could be considered like in the future, maybe going up, like being a competitor to uh, like uh, Xbox Store, Steam, just a publication platform that is going to be more geared towards people that are using Lightning and Bitcoin and in the gaming experience than, say, Steam, which has almost nothing there. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I will not compete in terms of titles with Steam because you cannot fight with a giant no. uh, that covers the, the entire monopoly or at least the 90% of it. What I, yeah, what I think is I'm bringing a different niche in the market, which is the need to create games where give you value. And bringing this is creating a different industry and, 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 and being able to, to create the industry and... And having the user segments, having the having the customer segment is important mm-hmm. because then any kind of monopoly may be competing with another big monopoly, such as, for example, I cannot compete against Steam, but the Steam is competing directly with Epic Games Launcher. And right. when you're competing with these big guys, and you see that sometimes in order to avoid cannibalism, you need to eat something smaller to bring other part of the market to your side. Right. And, and I, I definitely see what you're saying, but this actually brings me to a question that I had written down that that was a almost like a, a final or a, a passing thought after I'd written out the rest of these questions. And I wanted to ask you, get your, your gut reaction here to the possibility that major game studios are going to start dying because they are just going to continue to force their own token economy on players in their own walled gardens. And just to clarify that just a little bit, I've had several discussions with, you know, or I've had several questions that run around my head and I've talked to other people about it and they have, you know, as many people as I talk to has have a different approach the way that these game, these giant games work. And some people will say that they're not going to do Bitcoin or lightning because they have 
they're like, generally speaking, it falls on two sides. One is they don't want to deal with the regulatory aspect of possibly being called a money changer, money exchanger, uh, you know, anything like that. And then the other side comes down to the fact that they will never do that because they make too much money on their own tokens. Do you think the way that we're, what we're seeing with lightning and gaming could potentially end up being a pretty big threat to Epic steam? Like, you know, all the guys that are, that are, you know, doing their own token economies and just absolutely refuse to get out of that. Do you think that that's going to hinder them in the future? Hmm. I do not think that even though, though if it's not a threat and it's an opportunity, they they are able to react in time though. So so this leverages the question into a different point of view, whether it's not if it's a threat to them or not, if it's if if they're able to react in time in case they it's no longer a threat. I mean, threat or opportunity is based on a mass adoption. If mass adoption kicks in eventually, and we all think that if we are still here talking about this and we all work in this industry to make it happen is because we believe eventually this may happen. So once that happens, I think it's not even practical for them to implement Lightning Network and Bitcoin to their existing titles or games, especially because they already have a revenue model that is pretty much consistent and everyone is happy about them. However, I believe that for other titles and audience, when this massification starts to happening, they, they, they need to react somehow to cover that part of the segment. And even though I don't think creating titles from scratch is kind of practical for them, I think the way that they have to innovate and bring this, or, or at least cover this part of the marketing is by acquiring small studios where they have more flexibility to adapt and react in time by implementing these technologies that hopefully they are elixir tools. Yeah. That's, that's my, my two thoughts on this. Okay. Um, so it, stepping back from, from all this, you know, whether we're talking about, you know, not talking about game studios or, or, you know, mammoth franchises, just in general, what, like, what's your gut reaction like to, what do you think about Bitcoin and gaming? What's the first thing that comes into your head when I say Bitcoin and gaming? I see an opportunity where my time is not consumed in some in 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 in, buy, in vain. I think that's a word. Banish. Yeah, I, that's in English. I think that's a word. What I mean to say is that uh, if I have my time, which is value that, that I can put into working on a project and then invoice it or whatever, working on a contract, okay, or I put it in a game, that's time that I'm consuming though. So. I need tools. I, I need an interactions that they are able to provide me with value, whether my time is consumed because I choose wisely where to put my time on. So if we actually going now uh, with with accurate detail to your question, what I see yeah. when I hear Bitcoin and gaming is 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 the opportunity to where I spend time playing a game, buying skins of a game, uh, purchasing additional content within the game. Right. Uh, I see the opportunity with Bitcoin to actually uh, having a, a, an escape option, so an exit. I'm, I'm able to actually sell those assets to a different peer and being able to to li liquidate my, my my gaming experience, especially because there are tools that allow peer to peer uh, transferences or of value 
and I'm spending value. I mean, I'm spending my time that is a valuable as a scarce asset of my personal life on a game that should at least bring me or, or cover me the opportunities to at least cast them out. Yeah, you, that is an interesting statement. Liquidate my gaming experience. Um, yeah, I know. Ex I think I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I I think I felt that before because I have consumed and spent hours of my life in you know in gaming and realizing even even while I'm doing it, I'm like I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm getting fun. I'm, I'm getting entertainment, and it is enjoyable. But Lord have mercy being able to take, you know, like the year, year that you spent playing a certain title and saying, you know what, I'm kind of done. I'm going to go ahead and liqu liquefy my assets. And I think that that's an amazing thing. And it, it goes into the next question, which is sort of the exact same question I just asked you, but instead of Bitcoin now with lightning network, what's your gut reaction to saying, you know, gaming and lightning network? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, it was yeah. I was that abstract with the previous question that I kind of of correlated both. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin and Lightning Network as a, as a whole reply in the previous question. Yeah. It, so basically, the difference of Bitcoin and gaming and Lightning Network and gaming is the actual liquidity or, and, and privacy of the of the value transfer mechanisms. So. That is an upgrade. I mean, we already are safe. We're in the safe zone. We're in the in the heaven already because we are using an asset that is, you know, already secure by the sign. And the thing of implementing Lightning Network and correlating it with the gaming experiences is just adding steroids on top of that asset. So, so we are making it, you know, instant payments, more liquids. You know, we are making those those payments more private in the sense of, of, of most more anonymous and we are making it more liquid at all at least so that's basically my my opinion about lightning network and, and gaming it's just amplifying what the bitcoin and gaming was well you know it seems clear that the lightning network is really kind of the the only you know decent path going forward you know for gaming in the future do you think that's a fair statement yeah, I think it's pretty much what we have been investing in as a gaming technology provider over the last two years. And we kind of feel ex extremely excited about continuing investing in this technology. Yeah, because it just seems that doing, you know, doing on-chain transactions inside of a video game seems like a non-starter considering where fees are going. Um, and I, I, I do not have a problem with high fees. Uh, something's going to have to secure the network in the future. And it just seems that, yeah, Bitcoin transactions on the main chain directly inside of games is probably a death knell for that particular game. Whereas Lightning, you know, seems to have really, I don't know, really done wonders for the user experience and seems a natural fit for games. Um, are there any other side chains that like, are you looking at Liquid at all? Um, yeah, for... yeah, yeah. Okay. How, in, in what way are you uh, looking at Liquid just as uh, doing the same thing in a different, you know, with a different chain or, or is Liquid offers you a completely different uh, or expands the scope of what you can do in the future? Could you talk about that a little bit? 
Yeah, absolutely. Basically, by using Liquid, we are basically granting cryptographic proofs for our more privacy-sensible users, whether they need or at least they really want to have skins that they want them to have a correlation with a tokenized asset. And they need to they need to feel that feeling of being able to own that asset or at least extract it from the game to, to import it in another service, whether maybe a game or an exchange or whatever. Uh, that feeling of ownership that, that gives them a privacy that they can do that. So we are covering those for that particular small segment within the Bitcoin or gaming, Bitcoin gaming industry. Um, it's not something that is for everyone. Uh, the, the fact of having liquid assets is used more for covering that small segment within the gaming industry, within the Bitcoin industry, for satisfying the needs of covering ownership and and and, and interoperability of, of assets, which, which are skins, yeah. Now, so... As far as use, you know, we get into like some examining use cases for Lightning Network and or sidechains and gaming, especially in the future. Uh, you know, what do you see could be possible that and get out, you know, and I'm, I'm actually kind of asking you to kind of go out into the stratosphere, get outlandish. What kind of things do you think would be possible that we don't have yet, you haven't developed yet? But what could be possible in gaming with Lightning Network and like the liquid side chain that you see? Mm, maybe, yeah. Uh, I mean, as a technology developer, you can have yeah. skins that they can live on multiple games with different renderizations of, of, the, of the game cosmetics. Let's say you have a goon that is 3D in Light Knight. But this game crashes or whatever, so you or maybe this game doesn't crash, but you don't want to have that that game there because of the the service, which is the game doesn't grant you enough tools to make that asset more valuable. So you can go to a casino or you can go to other, on any other service, a different game that is more more competitive, and you can put that asset and within that service, it gives extra value to that asset because it can remove that particular asset of that supply and, and, and you can upgrade the value of that asset and then sell it and cash it out and liquidate your gaming experience of that particular asset. So making a circular economy, not only within a game and external to the game, but yeah. also a circular economy within games as they relate to each other. Or, or, or games or services, maybe games, maybe any other type of service that not, doesn't necessarily to be a game, can be a simulation, can be any kind of, of, of service exchange or, or use a data or liquidity pool, whatever. So um, that's, for example, one example, probably the most abstract one and interesting that that as a consequence requires extra explanation to cover in detail what, what, what actually I mean. But the example that they are also behind the table to to ship and deliver as soon as we find a good deadline to to accomplish it's for example is a anonymous authentication without the need to have your your email and passwords and all through lightning network which is anonymous private secure and and yeah, I'm proven to work. So that's another one that is huge, and not only for games, actually, for, for any industry. The fact that you can authenticate yourself using an LSAT mechanism within any service is, is practical, and, and we all need to authenticate to verify we are ourselves. So that's another one. 
Yeah. And I've been, I've been acute. I had an idea a long time ago and I, I can't, it's one of those, you, you get an idea and people tell you stupid, but for that, it's not a good idea. And here's why, but for whatever reason, you can't get it out of your head. You know, I used to play a lot of MMOs, RPGs, and, and generally speaking, you, you know, I go from one game and, and build up a character, you know, pra- practice strength or blacksmithing or all these attributes that are, you know, coded to that particular character, but then you want to play another game and you got to build character up from scratch again. So the idea that I had was that you would be able to in some way, shape or form, be able to make your avatar that you use in a game portable. And one of the first critiques that I got was there's no way to ensure that you're not going to bump your strength numbers up. And now this seems to actually present a way that I would be able to take my character from say, you know, I don't know, I don't play World of Warcraft, but if I did take World of Warcraft character and then be able to port all those attributes in some way, shape or form that made sense to something like, you know, an old EverQuest instance or something like that. Is that still completely outlandish or is it possible that with what we're talking yeah. about here that that could happen? That's that's what we're developing. But it can oh. be beyond that. Yeah, yeah, that, it goes beyond that. Let's say that that game where you imported uh-huh. has rules, deterministic rules, where that asset can be removed, uh, burned from the actual total supply. So yep. which means you, you actually go and you put that asset as a collateral because you're going to play a tournament. You compete against others that they also put as a collateral their assets because they think they are too good and they want to compete. That's where they join the rank mode and they don't join the casual mode, for example. And, and that's in a different service where you, you just have imported your assets. So what happens then is that this creates a behavior where in different services where you import your assets have different rules that affect the total race, the total supply of that particular asset, creating a way to not only port import as an interoperability mechanism, but also to upgrade or downgrade a total supplies of those collection of assets. I don't know if you are following me. You know what I mean? Yes, I am. So, so, so if you go there and you put as a collateral your, your, your skin that you exported there, then, then you lost because you didn't win that specific tournament match or, or death match or whatever. And mm-hmm. then you and your rest of the squad have probably lost your assets that you goes wanted. But the, all of the collection of users, they were playing in that game or in a different game or they were not gamers at all. They were just using a different service, but with the same assets. Has incre- I mean, it, it just got increasing value. And yeah, because just because the actual supply has been affected uh, as a scarcity mechanism, mechanism on top of that specific service because that service provider decided to create a a, a, a scarcity, a scarcity element in that, in that behavior of the game design. Yeah, I, you know, I'm starting to actually see the value here of having, like, you know, having a, like, let's say, not not a attribute of strength or, you know, intelligence or anything like that, as like as much as like a, a, I don't know, a powerful sword, that that particular asset actually increases in value if and only if it's recognized in on other platforms in other games and that somehow or another that the people that re, that will refuse to break down their walled gardens will find their assets in general if there's such a thing as an open market that ever opens up decrease in value because they're not portable into another game would you say that's a fair assessment yeah 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 no, yeah not only that and and let's say the actual 
biggest threat at the moment with these skins issues that are happening at the moment. I mean, there are so many black markets selling Fortnite yeah. accounts, selling in, selling Counter Strike assets, basically because they 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 are not able to provide or to use a technology that, that they free the markets. Here it's different by providing this technology. We're we're going through a protocol, not through a service, which yeah, means this- is that everyone implementing this protocol standard. You're free in the markets. So any community or black market is no longer an enemy. It's more than welcome because you are distributing the points of, of selling, creating a higher volume of demand, which is not uh, which is not centralized in a, in, a, in, a, in a single point of control or, or, or fail. Right. So anyone is welcome. I mean, any, any, any black or, or market or, or community market is more than welcome to participate and being part of the, of the, of the party. Yeah, I, I think I'm just I'm get I get more and more excited the more and more I see uh, lightning and Bitcoin integrated in, into games because I just can't imagine the all the I I'm trying to imagine all the things that are going to happen that I can't even think of I don't even have the imagination available to me and I think it's all going to happen I think it's going to happen really quick and being positioned as one of the first game companies that you know really truly understands this technology and how to integrate it with games I those guys are going to be on fire in the next five years I guarantee it <laughs> <laughs> yeah good times are, are are coming. Yeah, they. I, I think they're coming. Uh, I think they're going to be here a lot faster than we we might think. But I wanted to kind of dive into Light Night a little bit and get into some of the some of the situation. Well, some of the engineering behind it. I wanted to ask why low poly? How why the low polygon count and not like you know getting into you know. Well, you know where AAA games are. You don't even have to be a AAA game to have a non-low poly situation. So, what was the what was the thinking behind that? Yeah, so there are a few elements of why low poly. The first one is is basically we want to contribute to to have a successful product, to have a successful achievement of our mission to have Bitcoin mass adoption <laughs> through yeah. the format of a game. And the fact of having a low poly game that reunites the cosmetics to have a segment of the population that consumes Lightning product from the range of young kids to adults, we have to go for a cosmetics that adapts for that range of of, of, of eight. And and not only eight, also we're, we're, we're also Taking very seriously um, the, the the cosmetics of the design of our skins, our game to comply with some sensibility of genders, of age, of races, so it can be broadly uh, adopted by by these markets that they are from different cultures. That's 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 the first point. So we want to contribute mm-hmm. to we want to make Lightning successful to make our tools successful to other gamers, game developers to implement to make the actual Bitcoin mass adoption to happen. That's, 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 that's the actual reason why. The second reason is that from this to happening, we also need to count on resources that they are uh, graphically, econo- graphically economical to make those mass adoptions of the game and so on in other mobile, mobile, uh, mobile platforms and consoles that they are widely optimized for low poly other than uh, high definition graphics, so that's basically the 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 response for that. 
Right now. So like for listeners that are, you know, not understanding the, you know, why low poly is, you know, is a low polygon count. And the, the less polygons that I have in a model, the less my renderer has to draw it, which means that my graphics card is not working overtime. I just wanted to clarify that sometimes I will use yeah. terms, you know, from, from this and not explain them. So, but yeah. what, other, what, what other optimizations behind light night are there other than the fact of low poly, because that is an optimization choice. Yeah. Optimization, um, population choice. Mm, well, optimization for achieving high population choice, <laughs> uh, but yeah, the shadow wind, mirroring, uh, we having, uh, compress animations. So there are quite kind of a segmented list of different uh, techniques to create a high optimized gaming product. And, and yeah, some of them include the shadow wing, which is basically uh, reducing the amount of triangles when rendering shadows on the gaming uh, behavior when, when is is there animations that they are heavily compressed to reduce the amount of extra moves per per frame and so many details that I can jump into. But basically, yeah, Shadowwind, Marin, uh, um, animations, then we, we have so many more of lightning, lightning as, a, as visual lightning and so on. And this would also, I, I would assume that it's also low resolution, God, I can't even talk to yeah. Low resolution <laughs> textures and materials, correct? Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. That, that works, okay. yeah. So, you know, these optimizations, uh, they get they get tricky because you can, you know, any good game developer can do these things, but where it really becomes tricky is as far as the visual style, the visual feel of Light Knight, um, what did you guys do to make the get, keep the game visually appealing? I mean, what? Ah, it's a hard question to ask. As far as art is concerned, when we look at a game that has a visual style, right? There is low poly games that I've seen before that don't do it well. And then there's Light Knight. And when I first saw Light Knight, I was looking at it going, okay, I, I get what they're doing. I, I'm like low poly and I'm looking at it and it just kind of grew on me. There was some, there's something visually that you guys did with low resolution textures, low polygon, you know, low polygon count modeling. And now what I've discovered is, is, you know, kind of like skip frame animation where you're not putting as many frames of animation in. What did you guys have to do to balance that, to come up with something that it hits the screen and you're looking at it going, I like this. Can you get into that? Yeah. So yeah, I gotta say that we started having some pre-made purchase design licenses of pre-customized assets that, that we purchased uh, from those uh, from those assets, we packs that we got, we start then building a customized design. So we initially we didn't start from scratch. We didn't. We, we were not as a startup. We were not able to <laughs> to have a design fully a full design committed team only creating assets. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to release the game in six months as we did. So right. So we start from a point where where we we found something beautiful that we could make it even greater. Uh -huh. And we did, and we started from there. 
and from there we started to build on more more aesthetics designs and and improving it according to to our creativity of our team and and yeah it seems like people liking it and and so on so yeah pretty much it's going it's going good yeah it's it i i it's a it's a wonderful game you guys have actually have produced something that is is kind of endearing uh, like honestly just immediately upon viewing it i'm looking at you know, back in the day, I would look at low poly count and I was like, I'm just not interested because fidelity was increasing along with graphic engine performance or graphic card performance. And here we go. We get this one, you know, we get this game and I'm looking at it saying, you know, visually, I I really like the way this works. And, and, and then I can be excited about the fact that you can play it on almost anything because of the optimization. So it's like a win-win for you guys. Do y'all have like a, a, a art director or all of you guys acting as art director at the same time, along with, you know, building the assets and, and doing the back end stuff? Yeah. Yeah. We as a group, normally we, we, we decide the design altogether, but then normally I'm very perfectionist sometimes. And I uh-huh. took sometimes the lead on that. To find something that I that I find as as good as I sometimes want, and yeah, but pretty much we all take initiative altogether. Yeah. Well, so now as far as the 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 engine that the whole thing is built on, are I are y'all using Unity or did you build one in house? I imagine you're using a third party. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. That's correct. We are using Unity. Unity. Everybody's starting to use Unity. Oh man, I fell in love with that game engine. Like, oh, when was it? It was like, I can't remember when it was released, but I got a hold of it a couple of years after because I was the, uh, I was the lead administrator for the 3D animation lab at Texas Tech University. So it was that was sort of my bag is finding software. And when I came across Unity, it was like just a no brainer. I was like, this is there's something about this that is. You know, it's a special game engine. And when we found it, it was still 100% free. And, it, you know, and it's like, there's just, I don't know, there was just something about it because the only other thing that you have, you know, at that time was uh, the Cry engine and good luck licensing that thing as well as the Unreal engine, you know, and those things back in the day before they were doing, you know, subscription uh, models, you had to buy a seat license. And some of these things were like in the hundreds of thousands of dollars for a single seat. And here comes unity and it changed everything. So kudos for using unity. A lot of people give that, that game engine a bad rap or they used to, I don't think they do anymore, but I remember they used to. And now every single person that I know of seems to be using it. I think that that's great. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I also have very common and I mean, um, very similar opinions on Unity. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, and yeah, yeah. I also believe that too. Now, so is is Un- is Unity being used for your other games? They they seem. I was looking at at the other games that you guys have, and it seems like those could be you know pretty much just done in code without a game engine. Yeah. Or am I wrong? No, no, that's correct. I don't think, okay. no, I don't think we've used other Unity games. This is our first one. And okay. yeah. So, well, now, so you're using Unity as the game engine and you have bought some, you know, bought some uh, custom assets to start this out. But at one point or another, as you, as you noted that customization had not only was going to occur, but has occurred. What package are you using for the 3D modeling and animation? Yeah, uh, 
I think yeah, the providers that we are purchasing uh, the, the initial skins are called Synthi Studios. Those are the low poly providers. And uh-huh. uh, uh, we have not finished actually to to fin- to complete uh, our design. So they are still very or extremely similar to 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 what Synthi Studios are providing, the, the style of the low poly. We are just optimizing something, uh, so, so a little bit those those triangles and, and geometric uh, compounds, and a little bit of the diffumination, I think is the word. Yeah, some a little bit of the design process. However, uh, we are still focused on some core mechanics yet, other than design. Yeah, yeah. Actually, our design is not even even started yet, in my opinion. We still have yeah. so much work to do to make improve the design and make it even more customized of what we want to have. But initially, it's good what we have. We are more focused on multiplayer and other essential mechanics of the game other than the actual cosmetics yet. So you know, um, that actually brings me back to a question. Donner Labs is, oh, I can't remember what the Donner Labs game is. Uh, yeah, yeah. And in that particular instance, they're allowing people to, uh, to buy, you know, visual billboards and stuff inside the, the game levels. And, and are you guys with, since you are using lightning, do y'all have any, you know, uh, notion of doing something like that? Or is it pretty much just going to be like, well, no, we're not going to allow in-game advertising or, you know, we don't really want people dropping, you know, no, no, yeah, uh, power ups and stuff. Oh, you do have yeah, we, that. We, okay. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually, but it works different though. It's a business to business advertising model, and people cannot just simply put images in the map. We 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 don't like that. We 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 want to yeah. have. I, I I mean I I'm not saying that's bad. I, I, that's a very good idea actually. The thing uh, is that um the, the the actual direction of that pro operation is different in Lightnet. It goes from a model where the cosmetics of those online billboard i mean uh, billboards advertising or whatever comes and respects the cosmetics of the game so it cannot so in the first needs to be implemented and designed by our designers to comply with the cosmetics of the game and the actual right. uh, it, 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 it cannot affect the actual gaming experience it must be as a passive advertising that you go and yeah currently we we've we've signed a few deals of sponsorship packs that's the way we call them and uh-huh. we got some sponsors for the first season of of the season pass of the game where their map the map is populated of those those brands so you you'll see them and it's pretty cool because you have some i mean you may walk around you can see some branding of other brands and you may not uh-huh. realize that that you're you're looking at a brand because it's so well camouflaged into the game map See, yeah, I, I I like that uh that idea of having it where it's not, you know, it's not detracting from the color scheme, it's not detracting from, you know, it's not like a high resolution animated display which would completely break everything about the visual, you know, the visual feel of low poly, low resolution textures and all of a sudden you're looking at a high definition 4K thing that's on a billboard and that it would it would screw up the way the way that the game actually plays on frame yeah. rate, but still, like let's say let's say that Bitcoin and wanted to you know buy a sponsorship, which I can't, but I, I want to. But you know, it's like a money thing. Would you guys like have a, the ability to say, okay, we're gonna email you 
the parameters of what we expect. Here's like the, here's the colors, you know, the colors that you can use. Here's the max resolution you can use. These are the fonts and it's sort of like a style package. You know what I'm talking about? Is that something that you yeah. guys have developed? Uh, yeah, but it's less mechanic. So what we do is, so we already have the custom options defined. And uh, we just send them uh, away and basically it, it comes a few things. It comes like a video, a promotional video. It comes with some map point locations, characters, uh, weapons, uh, assets. So it's, it's a full pack and you have different uh, models. The thing is that we have not publicly started announcing this. So we, we've gone privately to different brands and, and companies around the Bitcoin space to offer them. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's just plug and play, basically. And once there is an interested deal, then we start working on that, implement them, send the actual results. And then if it's approved by the client, sorry, by the customer, it got implemented into the actual game map, which is the big one, not the actual one live at the moment, which is a different map. It's the one mm -hmm. that contains a huge map. Yeah. So that's basically it. Well, so now sort of in, in the same question, uh, sort of the same question, but not about advertising. There's a, I've talked to a few people that, you know, they're really into Bitcoin and they have experience designing 3D models. Would there be like a package that you could deliver saying, hey, if you guys want to design stuff for Light Night, we'll look at it. We may not put it in the game, but if you're going to send it to us, yeah. it needs to be this many poly, you know, polygons no more than this type of you know animation do y'all have anything like that in the in in the works yeah no no basically it's, it's simpler basically we send out examples and very very accurate examples and then you just choose uh, what you want and we use as a design you, you we, we're very custom so so use out of your imagination and our examples we start designing and developing and design and creating and then you say basically, you know, we, we assign according your logo or color palette. And then after that is smooth and, and pretty much it. You can check out, we have that. We have an example of the Blockstream. There's a Blockstream video we, we did. And that's one of the examples. Okay. Now I we're coming here to the end and I want to at least get your notion on, on one, uh, on something else that's not Light Night, not Satoshi's games, but it still involves gaming. I was looking at uh, your in your bachelor's degree. One of the modules that you did was uh, artificial intelligence and the psychology of learning and thinking. Is that accurate, or was you know, or is it something else? No, no, no. That's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. When I got graduated, I my degree was mainly focused on on software development and and artificial intelligence, and that was one of the modules that that I had to do. And I enjoyed actually that specific uh, branch of the software development, the actual, the, the actual AI and machine learning and yeah, the psychology behind thinking and, and learning and those kind of philosophical elements of our consciousness, I believe is something very attractive as, as an individual, yeah. Okay, so where this comes in, because I saw that and I immediately wrote the following questions. Um, again, this is sort of your gut reaction to the following statement, gaming and education. What do you think? Yeah, it's a good way for gamification too. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it's, it's, I think it's a way to incentivize 
academic success. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question that I had, you know, we and that is a whole, we could go down that rabbit hole forever, I think. But I wanted to, you know, coming back and bringing that gaming and education uh, to the Lightning Network, do you think it is ethical or possibly a bad idea to use in uh, monetary incentivization for students to be able to, you know, learn their, you know, multiplication tables? Like, for instance, now you learn it just to pass the test. However, if you pass that test in the future, it very well could be linked to unlocking a thousand Satoshis. You see where I'm getting at? Do you... Is that a terrible idea, or do you think that there's no, a place for something like that? I, I, I mean, if that's a terrible idea, it has to be even terrible having to do multiplications to buy Fortnite skins <laughs> for something <laughs> called <laughs> Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite uh, coins. So I think right. we should incentivize, uh, especially young kids, that they they have already you know jump into the actual uh, gaming world at a very very early stage. By the way. But that's a different topic. Uh, going to the thing, I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great idea if they are already interacting with multiplication and, and maths and operations within games and they are already trading uh, doing so, at least let's teach them in a technology that is going to do more for the for the good that, than for the bad. Yeah, that that's what I think. So do you have any plans for Satoshi's games entering into gaming and education? Or if you did that, it would be a completely different company? Uh, both, both, yeah. Okay, awesome. All right, yeah, well, yeah, so now, now is time for the shill fest. So I need you to, like, is there any Satoshi games announcements? Is there anything special coming up that you want to talk about? Yeah, just as an announcement, I want the actual audience to be very, very close to the next month releases because the actual Lightning multiplayer and the actual Elixir platform are very hot and they are coming in this in this time range, time frame. So yeah, that's what I have to say in terms of announcements. So where can people find you at? Yeah, they can personally find me in... Twitter, um, Carlos Roldan X, and they can also find me in GitHub uh, or, or Telegram with the same handles, and um, and they can also find what I what I do. I mean, this is attached in my Twitter public profiles, but they can also find Satoshi's games and other projects that I've been working on uh, in my in my profile. So if you want to find it directly in Twitter, you can check out Satoshi's games or or Light Night Game, and you can check that out for now. All right. Well, it's now time for us to say goodbye to the audience. Thank you, Carlos, for spending so much time with us today. I really appreciate all the information about Satoshi's games, Light Night, your thoughts about Bitcoin and gaming. It's been it's been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. And David, and the pleasure is mine. I've been such a it's been such a good interview that I that I had with you that uh, it feels great. So thank you for your time, too. All right, man. There you have it. That was that was Carlos, man. It's a good, really good talk, really good discussion. I really enjoyed having him on the show. Uh, can't thank him enough. Uh, hopefully, he'll come back when they have other things in pipeline. But until then, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. 
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.